In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Raise a tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to in-season college and NFL breakdowns to NFL draft coverage all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk some fantasy football since this is a Rotoviz podcast, but we also make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. Last week, John Bosch and I discussed the new elite of the NFL at every offensive skill position we could, and this week we'll be diving back into NFL draft prospects, college football players rising up and falling down future draft boards with their recent performances, good and bad. And to help me tackle this topic, I'm joined by two special guests and a couple of my favorite industry people out there, most of the time anyway. Uh, Mr. Shane P. Hallam uh, joined me once back in July, uh, but Kane, Kane has not actually joined the show before. And by the way, can you, for the audience, pronounce your name correctly? Kane Fassell. Fassell. Okay. I, see, I, when, when we first started talking, I was like, it's fossil for sure. It's it's definitely fossil. But <laughs> I've been called that my whole life. Wouldn't right. have bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you tolerating uh, my mispronunciation and uh, not holding that against me. But Shane, Kane, that should be a band. We were just talking about that. Kane and Shane, thanks for joining me on the show. You guys both host the Devi Marketplace uh, podcast. So definitely, listeners, check that out. It's all about top college playmakers whose stocks are on the up and up and down and down, uh, all in a journey headed towards the NFL. So uh, welcome, guys. Thankful to have you both on and just hear you guys prove me wrong on, on future quarterbacks, I guess. We're here to help. I appreciate it. <laughs> Shane couldn't convince me when we were talking about this on Twitter just yet, but I'm ho- hoping you guys can set me straight here. Like we'll I, see what like we can I, do. I, yeah, I, was, I mean, I, we were trying, right? I'm trying to pull out pull out some numbers for you. We're, we're film guys, but you know, I, I, I know I know how to try to get the Travis's hard, so I was yeah. trying there. You know, there just weren't enough charts for me, like for those. <laughs> That's what it was. Uh, for those of you who know, who know me, I'm just a nerd, a numbers nerd. So, but anyway, it's it's all fun. The three of us are in some fantasy football leagues together. We make fun of each other's picks. We are going to talk about risers and fallers, uh, talking about players that are whose stocks are rising like crazy, and some that are you know not doing so hot. Uh, probably have more exciting players to talk about than not exciting players to talk about, but. Do first off want to kick it off with the discussion as to how many first round quarterbacks there will be in the NFL draft for 2021. Because in case you haven't been watching college football this year, it's been insane to watch what all these guys are doing. College quarterbacks are just having their way week in, week out against these defenses that were already not great for the most part. Like, I mean, Pac-12 defenses, Big 12 defenses. Well, this year, even SEC defenses are absolutely gross. A lot of quarterbacks have benefited from this. So it's it's given us 
really a half dozen at least quarterbacks that have profiles that look like potential first round NFL draft picks. I mean, there are a couple duh names that I think have been in the conversation for a while, but I want to hear the takes from Kane and Shane as to, you know, how many quarterbacks really, practically speaking, will be selected next spring. Because I, I have a number in my mind. You know what it is, but our listeners probably do not. So let's just go through it. Shane, who are the locks for you, like no matter what, almost a sure thing to go in the first round, no matter what I say and no, no matter what you say here? I, I think we know the two like 100% stone cold locks are Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback from Clemson, and Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State. They've been number one, number two since high school. So it, yeah. it's no question that that they're going to be first round picks. And I think Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State, uh, is probably going to go there. You know, I wrote an article after his, his one game this year against Central Arkansas that he was not a first round pick. And I still... I feel that he isn't in terms of what he's done on the field, what his profile is, but that's his size, his speed, his, you know, touchdown interception ratio uh, last season. I mean, he's going to go in the first round. Uh, Some teams are just going to be in love with that upside. So I I think those three guys, we can probably lock in Lawrence and Fields, you know, top five, top 10, maybe worst case scenario. And I think we can lock Trey Lance as a definite first round pick. Yeah. Yes, you can. Yes. And I think those three names, I mean, I've mentioned them three on on the podcast already. I think if you listen to any college football podcast or NFL draft podcast, they're going to name, you know, name three guys, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, Justin Fields, Ohio State, Trey Lance, North Dakota State, as pretty much in most mock drafts already look like they're pretty much locked in. But Kane, I'm curious because I I know you and, and Shane are a little bit on the same page when it comes to these first round quarterbacks as to how many or so are going to go who's going to be the fourth if it's not one of those three who's going to be the fourth out of you know maybe you know Mac Jones or Kyle Trask or Zach Wilson or a name I haven't named who's the fourth for you and and can he pass perhaps Trey Lance Uh, So technically, I have Kyle Trask as my fourth ranked quarterback, but I think Zach Wilson will most likely be the fourth quarterback off the board um, if we get another one in the first round. I think some people are just going to be too enamored with that deep ball accuracy that he does really, really well at BYU. And just we've seen that meteoric rise right from from players just having this one year as they come into the NFL or come into the draft process and get drafted early in the NFL draft. And we see that a lot. Right. And I think Zach Wilson is on that same trajectory right now. Shane and I talked about Zach Wilson either on the last pot or two weeks ago on the Debbie Marketplace, just talking about right how can Zach Wilson actually improve or or decrease his stock? And yeah. we had a lot of conversations, and I'm curious to see uh, your take on this too, Travis. But we we talked a lot about like should Zach Wilson, if they don't make the college football playoff, which we don't think that BYU will, should he even play in his bowl game? Right? Will that actually increase his stock? And and I know Shane and I are, are holding out hope that he plays just so we can get a better evaluation against better defenses. Because, right, the biggest knock that we're going to see on Zach Wilson right now is, you know, that strength of schedule that we're not really seeing them face a lot of top quality teams. And you can say whatever you want about BYU, or excuse me, against about Boise State, who they faced last week. But I think that's not really showing as much as we want to see for a top quarterback when he's not facing um, top quality competition. And the same thing can be said for Trey Lance as well. Um, But I think those skill sets are just a little different. And Zach Wilson is much more of a pocket passer than Trey Lance is. 
Yeah, I, I think I agree. I, I love what Trey Lance is doing and what North Dakota State and what that offense has their quarterbacks learn how to do. It preps them well for the pros. I think that's how they get players to go there. It's like, hey, right. you're going to be in all, all, this huge stage. You're going to go undefeated. You're going to destroy these guys and look great. And you're going to be able to make checks at the line, make multiple reads, do a bunch of like play action, you know, boot boot rolls and like stuff that you're going to have to do in the NFL. So I like what it's doing in preparing Trey Lance for the next level. But yeah, I, I think that the other guys who are playing tougher competition, even Zach Wilson playing tougher competition than Trey Lance, uh, have demonstrated perhaps that they might have a more complete, more pro ready resume than Lance. But you know, NFL decision makers just go for the upside, which is Trey Lance's ridiculous efficiency from his one full season that we saw with twenty eight touchdowns to zero interceptions, and you know, over a thousand rushing yards to go along with that. I, and I do like touchdowns with one fumble. Yeah, <laughs> not that I know the stats off the top of my head at all. Right, and, and not that we've probably all been saying these stats, you know, <laughs> right. off and on for like the past eight nine months already. But Zach Wilson, his mobility is interesting to me because it looks like he's way more mobile than a Kyle Trask, way more mobile than a Mac Jones. And I think where the NFL is headed right now, that might be just another feather in his cap that gets him drafted kind of early as well. But really, the strength of schedule thing is kind of strange because, I mean, what what's the, their toughest game was maybe Boise State? Maybe right. Houston, if you have to or, pick one, it would be Boise right. State, I would think. And and just because of how this season's going, they have what North Alabama and like San Diego State remaining, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. th- their bowl game. It would be weird because Zach Wilson he might just benefit from sitting out in his bowl game, whatever it looks like, because that's probably going to be his statistically worst game on the season because it's going to be a real team with probably actual defenders on the field. Uh, so that might. <laughs> Be something, but I'm curious. Where are you with with Zach Wilson versus Kyle Trask, Shane? I, I, I'm with Kane. I, I do have Kyle Trask higher. I just have a little more faith in him and what I've seen him do in the SEC. You know, against those SEC defenses, he's lighting up. But the the, the upside of, of Zach Wilson, I definitely can see why an NFL team could prefer him. You know, and kind of to two points with the schedule, like it, it kind of sucks because their original schedule before all the COVID stuff was pretty good. I mean, would have played at Utah, at Arizona State, at Minnesota, at Stanford, would have played Michigan State at home. You know, so there were some good games on, like they actually had a decent schedule, but that all kind of fell through, right? And, and I think that's that's what gets me. Like what Zach Wilson can do physically is up there with Lawrence and Fields, the way that he drop these deep passes, you know, in the bucket, in tight coverage, his receiver's, uh, aren't great and so they're they're usually not wide open uh this isn't a situation like this but you know if you go back to 2019 i mean every decent defense he played he stunk i mean he was bad against utah he was bad in the bowl game against hawaii um so th- that's that's what gets me like i i just don't we're just never gonna see that and so i would i feel a lot more comfortable with Kyle Trask, the quarterback at Florida that has, you know, just just lighting up SEC defenses by all accounts haven't really played that great. But, you know, Arkansas came into this past week as the second best defense in the SEC. He dropped 356 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, he was doing whatever he wanted to do. And, And to me, like the mental side of the game, I see Kyle Trask. He has it. He's gotten there. He wasn't there last year. He's there this year. Zach Wilson, he hasn't had to read a defense all season. He's never going to have to. And to, and like I, to me, that would be really scary as an NFL decision maker. Well, yeah, and it's worth noting that 
that Trask did that in the last game and a half without Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Right. Who some, who some might say is the top tight end in this 2021 draft process. So, and probably one of the best receivers on that team, right? There's not another receiver that is like far and away, like incredibly talented. Right. So that just goes to show how much work that Kyle Trask has really done to set this team up for success. Yeah. And I think I'm a fan of both and I've really come around on both Wilson. I agree with the multiple reads thing. I think the mobility just is what people are, are super interested in. I mean, I mean, when you look at his combined touchdowns per game, it's just absurd. Like what? 22 touchdowns to two interceptions or something. And he's had at least three touchdowns uh, of like passing and rushing in every single game, except the first, week this year where he you know they got up early so he didn't really have to keep throwing but I am interested because we haven't really even got to Mac Jones from Alabama just yet so Kyle Trask Florida he sounds like he's your four for both of you Zach Wilson you guys prefer Zach Wilson over Mac Jones or actually Mac Jones because of again the the schedule argument and the multiple read argument is actually is Mac Jones actually over Zach Wilson who you actually believe might get the first round draft tag so I don't have I have Mac Jones at six right now. I Mac Jones has been impressive, you know, through his game so far. But I kind of equate him to like an AJ McCarron with a slightly better arm. He's going to do everything he can and will succeed in the Alabama offense. He has incredible talent around him. Not really is going to be pressured in the pocket. Has a great offensive line. Basically, is going to have all the time in the world to make all the reads. Mac Jones is fine. I don't see him as a first round talent. I think he's a guy that someone might reach for in the second round and still be disappointed. So that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. And what about you, Shane? Where's Mac Jones for you at among this, the other five that we've already kind of talked about? I, I'm in a similar spot. You know, I have him at six. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit higher on him than Kane. Uh, I don't think he's a first round talent either. You know, I, I think like the, the statistics look really good. Um, but, you know, one of, one of the biggest things that Kane brought up for me is, that, that pressure aspect. When he has been under pressure, that's when he's performed the worst. Whereas I feel like Kyle Trask, when he's been under pressure, that's almost where he's performed the best uh, and stepping up in the pocket and doing the right things. I, I think Mac Jones just just hasn't really had to deal with it too much. And so when he does, he, he kind of panics. The footwork goes away. The accuracy goes away. And, and that's when he can make mistakes. So I, I, I think Mac Jones is good. I just, when, when I watch him, he makes one or two Night, really nice passes in a game that says, oh, this could be NFL starting quarterback material. And I think everything else is okay. Everything else is a nice, you know, maybe spot starter kind of kind of guy. So I think he's going to go in the, in the top uh, 100. I think he's probably going to go high in the second round. But, you know, if, if I had to bet right now, I'd say he's he's probably on the outside looking in the first. Yeah. And you mentioned the stats. They do look really nice, though. It's really hard to look at his his lines and just be like, wait, that's not a first. What what does a first rounder look like? Because, I mean, he, he almost had four games in a row with 400 yards passing. Like there have been eight occasions or something like that. I think it's around eight or nine occasions in Alabama program history, all pretty recent, where they actually had 400 plus passing yards. And Mac Jones did it three times in a row. And he would have had it, but but Saban doesn't care about records or anything. So he took him off the field when he was sitting at 387. Uh, I guess that was like three weeks ago against uh, Tennessee. So it's just, it's... (laughs) It's crazy to say a quarterback a quarterback with that efficiency that is just tearing up what is supposed to be the best conference in college football is not going to get some significant draft capital. I think all these guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if they all declare, there's almost no way 
this isn't the six that get day two, at least capital. Like, am I wrong there? Like, I feel like it's something weird would really have to happen for any one of these to drop out of day two. I I, I agree. I I think in my most recent mock draft, I have all six of them going in the top 50. I mean, I think even that is probably fairly likely. Yeah. And it's just tough to squeeze them all in. Right. Like it's, it'd be so difficult to see someone else really rise up and take over any of these quarterbacks. Yeah, for sure. And I'm in the, I'm of the mindset that because of the other positions being weaker at some, I guess, typically high capital positions, like the offensive tackle position. We, I mean, I know it's still early, but we haven't seen like a super deep group excel there. There's a bunch of guys that may push into the first round discussion and edge rusher. This class is not full of elite level edge rushers. There's a bunch of guys that probably deserve day two capital. There's like one or two that I feel like are are surefire first rounders. But if you look at offensive tackle draft investment in previous years and edge rusher in previous years, and typically how many we see go at those positions in the first round, if we don't see those guys get selected, that may clear enough room that we see uh, basically a record year in first round quarterback selections. I think it's up to six. I don't think that that's the most likely scenario. I just think that that's possible given where we are in the NFL and quarter and some teams really about to need a quarterback and some teams desperately needing a quarterback, some at the beginning of the draft and some that might be near the end of the first round that, you know, like the Steelers, like that they might take a shot because of the depth of this class at other positions. And, you know, like all the teams that have this aging generation of quarterbacks, we're going to see on the outs here soon, Drew, you know, with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, like this entire group of guys that are going to be gone soon. This could just be an unprecedented class. You guys, I believe are both on probably four. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can go through my whole thing. Like I, I think four is the most likely scenario. Like you, kind of almost getting me to five, I guess. But uh, I mean, since since the draft started in 1937, we've had five quarterbacks go in the first round twice, 1999 and 2018, when Lamar Jackson just snuck in there at yeah. the final pick of the draft, right? And then we've had six quarterbacks go in the first round once, 1983, the, the infamous, you know, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly. I don't think we're talking about those kind of guys in this draft, you know, outside of Trevor Lawrence and maybe Justin Fields. So like it's it's just so you know it's just such a rare thing to happen that I think it'd be tough even if a lot of NFL evaluators evaluate these guys as first round talents. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that are happy to go into the season you know with mediocre quarterback play, what we consider mediocre quarterback play that they may not feel that way. You know, I think a team like the Denver Broncos, for example, like Drew Locke just had a terrible, terrible game. But if you think, if you think John Elway is going to give up on a guy that he drafted in the top, you know, in the second round, top of the second round, he's not going to, you know, these GMs don't want to concede defeat. Right. And I think that plays a big part into where, where these go. And and two, I think you, you make a good point, Travis, about offensive tackle, defensive end, those are positions that rise through the process. Uh, hey, the draft starts in Mobile. I mean, the Senior Bowl, we always see offensive tackles and defensive ends really rise up through the process and end up being first-round picks. I mean, I think we could end up with four or five offensive tackles by the time this is all said and done. Uh, that happens a lot. I mean, you take like a, a guy like Eric Fisher a few years back that was a fringe first-round pick, ended up being number one overall. You know, yeah. th- those are positions that rise 
very quickly in the offseason. So uh, I, I think I think it's kind of too early to say that that would be a contributing factor. I think it could happen. It always, I never say nothing is ever 100% the NFL draft ever. Yeah. But I, you know, I think four is the most likely scenario. And maybe, like you said, if a team in the back end, like we saw with the Packers and Jordan Love last year, really, uh, you know, one a guy then we could see five cool well, I, I like it I, I we see we're not that far off i think i think we thought we might have been more far off but we're really not i'm just thinking it's four to six i don't see how it's less than four like something weird would have to happen i feel like just given just given this class and given what these guys have done uh somebody's gonna go get their guy you know they're, they're gonna go get their jordan love or, or whoever it is uh even though you know jordan love didn't he shouldn't have been there to begin with but that's that's an that's another podcast for another day but Kane, I, I want to get your rising quarterback that we didn't mention in the top six that you're super pumped about. Uh, well, if anyone listens to the Devi Marketplace podcast, you know this is no surprise. As always, it's Tyler Show, the quarterback at Oregon. I think over the past two games, you've just seen someone that, though he didn't play a whole lot when he was, you know, uh, redshirt freshman last year, he only threw the threw the ball 15 times last season. But but this year he's come in, he's thrown almost 68 percent completion percentage um, over 500 passing yards five touchdowns and he's also shown that he can do it on the ground too what he's at over 150 rushing yards already in two games and believe it or not he actually has the fourth highest QBR out of out of all the quarterbacks right now so Tyler Show is as doing something that that a lot of us didn't see coming right like I'm a huge Tyler Show fan always have been but I didn't expect him to come out and be this hot right away right so and he's and he's tearing up defenses sure if you want to look back at the game what yesterday that he was a little slower start the first half didn't go you know exactly to plan um but then as soon as he got into a rhythm he easily rolled over washington state so you know i think tyler show is a really really interesting quarterback because he does a lot of things really well and he stands in the pocket well and he's much more elusive than people think he is man it's almost justin herbert 2.0 right now right like they're so similar in in prospects that that uh it's hard to not pair them together yeah, like similar even in height and weight. But you mentioned the yeah. slow start. It was really, even against Stanford, it was kind of a slower start than we thought just because of yeah. what we thought of Stanford, I think, coming into the year. Uh, but really, at, once he gets in the pocket, once he gets in the zone, he he does look lights out. And he can run, but he doesn't go to that first. He goes through his reads. I, I'm already seeing a guy that, that just looks ahead of the game. He's way ahead of where I thought he might be in, you know, two weeks into the season. This is he looks midseason form already. And that's not super common in a guy with fifteen pass attempts coming into the season. So I like that pick. Definitely rising up. Definitely gonna be have, having to get ranked on some NFL mock draft boards in the future. He's not Yeah, uh, Travis, I, I would mention too that I don't think he's gonna enter the twenty twenty one NFL draft. No, I don't either. Um, he is eligible, but I don't think he will. And this is gonna put him in such a solid spot for the twenty twenty two draft. Yeah. Um I, he's gonna be up there with some of the top quarterbacks right away. And and people, if you're not you know, if you're doing fantasy football and you're doing Devi and, and campus to Canton leagues, and if you're not trading for him now, you're going to be on the outside looking in on this guy as he just rises. Like as if he finishes the season, he's not going to get a lot of that NFL draft buzz um, that he's going to enter. And so when he comes back next season, he's going to be on everyone's radar and yeah. you're going to be like, oh, where was I on this guy? Oh, well, <laughs> you should have listened to this podcast. Yeah. You know, eight months ago when <laughs> when we were talking about him, because if you don't get him now, like he's incredibly cheap now. If you don't get him now, you're just going to be on the outside looking in, just wishing that you had a share of Tyler's yep. show. Yep, in Debbie Leagues, that's why we play him, because we like to get in on our favorite college football players 
long before so that we can actually have them on their fantasy football rosters, you know, two, three years from now. And that's that's so much fun. Uh, but Shane, uh, I'm, I'm super pumped to hear, you know, the guy that you're going to talk about here as far as your favorite riser in college football at the quarterback position. And my guy's in a similar situation where I don't think he declares for this draft, but is eligible. But it is uh, Phil Jurgovic quarterback for Boston College. He he was a big time recruit to Notre Dame, transferred to to BC, and honestly, I, Boston College has played really well this year. And Phil Jurgovic is a big reason why. I mean, he went into that Clemson game; they were up by a ton in the first half, uh, and and he was just precise in picking apart uh, what is one of the top five defenses in college football right now. Played. Notre Dame uh, and and once again you know came out of the gate uh, it, it wasn't his best game all around but it came out of the gate and kept that team in there and this is Boston College you know they have maybe a draftable tight end maybe a, a one fast receiver there's not much going for this team uh, outside of the quarterback position so he he was a player that I was intrigued by with that you know transfer having the recruiting background and I think he's really taken this team uh, to be teams like Pitt, like Georgia Tech, uh, Syracuse, and be competing with teams like Clemson and Notre Dame. I mean, he's big. Uh, he's strong in the pocket. He, he kind of has uh, a little bit of that, uh, you know, to make another Pittsburgh connection. He, he, he's played high school here, and uh, Jurgovic did a little Ben Roethlisberger-esque in terms of, you know, pushing off undersized defensive players trying to blitz him. I mean, he can step up in the pocket. So, you know, young but someone who has really risen up my board, and, and it's tough for me to not have him within you know the top ten of this position right now. Yeah, I love it. Those two guys are just, I mean, they're, they're guys that we that were on our radar coming this year as as new starters for their team, but glad to see them actually doing well and, and meeting or exceeding any expectations that we had. My my guy, I just want to throw in the hat is Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina has transformed that team. He's a lot of fun. Six games in this season. He already has 20 total touchdowns and only one pick. Just incredibly efficient. They run a really weird option. I mean, it's it's not a triple option, but it feels that way in the way that they set up all their option reads. They got a really vet- veteran offense and defense right now. Coastal could stick with a lot of teams this year, but it's because of Grayson McCall and his ascension at quarterback is just the field general. Just making sure they're always in the right place always making the right read. They don't have good playmakers at all. You mentioned the Boston College playmakers. They don't have anybody except for, I guess, like Heli or whatever his face is. <laughs> so Grayson McCall would be my guy that, that's a riser. Probably a longer shot because he's a group of five conference guy, but I like him a lot. But before we dive into running backs and wide receivers, just a word from our sponsors. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore and Total Visits, so it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit 
to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with that free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, and we're back. And so we've already covered the quarterbacks. I mean, I guess if, you, if you're new to the show, I mean, we don't always go this in-depth at every player and every position, but this is a lot of fun. Already eight, nine quarterbacks in here. Let's shift gears and go to the running back position. Talk about some risers and fallers at that position. Some of our favorite guys that are rising up draft boards and should be on a lot more people's radars right now. Some that are kind of disappointing. Kane, let's, let, let's have you kick this off here and talk about another Oregon guy, I guess. So apparently I should have just worn my Oregon jersey. Uh, yeah, or maybe the the, the Ducks, oh. uh, you know, the mascot, if you got if you, if you have that in yeah. your closet. I should have. Man, so yeah, C.J. Verdell, I think I think he's just a really, really special player. And and we saw last year, right, when he was when he was a sophomore with Oregon, that C.J. Verdell was just a guy that, that the offense kind of ran through him. Whatever you might think about Justin Herbert, I think more of the offense ran through C.J. Verdell than, than Justin Herbert last season. And C.J. Verdell really made that offense tick. And whether it was catching passes out of the backfield or whether it was running between the tackles, Ver- Verdell could do it all. And I think he hasn't stopped this season at all. I think... One of, one of my equated C.J. Verdell to like a DeAndre Swift light. And right away I was like, oh man, I hate that just because I love DeAndre Swift too much. And I was like, oh, maybe that's not really the worst comp, right? Like he's a guy that catches the ball well out of the backfield. He has good vision between the tackles. And and he has good vision on the second level too, which which is really exciting to see, especially from, from a guy at, at a major five conference as well. Uh, but C.J. Verdell, he just does everything, man. Like he just catches the ball well. He has incredible efficiency running on the ground. And he has breakaway speed as well. I think that was the biggest thing that I was looking for. I wanted to see CJ Verdell and see that breakaway speed. Is he able to really extend the gap basically between he and uh, chasing defenders? And I think that's one of the things that he's answered this year. I know we might not have seen like big expansive runs, right? We haven't seen like a 70 yard Chuba Hubbard run from last year or that 90 yard Chuba Hubbard runs that we saw last year before he got injured, right? But that doesn't mean that CJ Verdell doesn't have that speed. And, And it's clear to see that that he uses his speed well, though he might not be the fastest guy on the football field. He understands pursuit angles and he understands how to cut them off. And I think that's really, really important for a guy that might not be the biggest, might not be the fastest, but he is one of the smarter guys on the football field. Yeah, I like Verdell a lot. I was I was kind of concerned that it might just be heavily influenced by the offensive line because I do like Oregon's offensive line. Uh, and but I think he's creating on his own some. I, I mean, it's still small sample size. Pac-12 is only two games in, but he's 38 carries in because he is a feature back. I mean, they're they're leaning heavily on him quite a bit. I think that's helped Tyler show uh, just having a, a veteran running back that is probably headed to the pros that can probably be in the right spot at the right time for him. And he's already got seven receptions in two games, too. So somebody that I think is rising up my board. 
I was a bit skeptical to go ahead and crown him as a, you know, day two walk or anything like that. I'm not sure he's quite there for me, given a few other guys that are rising. Uh, but in a class, if he does, you know, declare and is in the 2021 NFL draft, it, there's it's not like there's a bunch of locked in studs in this class at the running back position. It's like Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, then what? It's like there's a whole bunch of guys that you could insert into that conversation. Juba Hubbard maybe is still at that third spot, but yeah, there's a bunch of guys that could sneak in and into day two conversations. One of yeah. which, and and everyone has their own question marks too. Yeah. I think that that's the hardest part right now. Is there? Sure, last year we saw five guys and they didn't have as many question marks, but this year it's like. Sure, you can talk about Chuba Hubbard, you can talk about C.J. Verdell, you can talk about Kenneth Gainwell, you can talk about all these guys, Kylan Hill, and you're like, well, do I actually like him, or is it just the the fact that there's no one left? That yeah. There's no one left to talk about that's just making us talk about these guys at this spot. And I think that's where we are with a lot of these players, but Shane's guy is not one of those guys, because I'm going to go and say that I'm not sure that Shane's guy here that he has on the show sheet, it has many questions, really, at this point with his profile. So Shane... I hope your boy declares and, and heads into the 2021 NFL draft. So who's your guy as your riser at the running back position? I think he will. My, my player is Javante Williams running back from North Carolina. And he's not a player that I was on, you know, preseason like like some people were. But we thought North Carolina, it's going to be the Sam House show. I know you've talked about him uh, on the podcast before. And, you know, he's going to be a top quarterback. But uh, what we've seen now is North Carolina's had to score 40, 50 points. To, to win games. And so they've relied on the running game with Javante Williams and uh, partner Michael Carter. They've kind of split carries, but I mean, Javante Williams is uh, impressive. I mean, he's, he's big, he's shifty. Uh, his footwork's really good. And I, I really did a deep dive on him this week and was wow. Just super impressed with a player of his size that can catch the football that uh, can make guys miss and be more elusive than just a straightforward runner. Good vision. And, I mean, he scored a touchdown in every single game this year. He has 15 touchdowns so far for the year, which is a ridiculous <laughs> number. That's just um, rushing. And, and, you know, uh, that's crazy. He, he's just he's bullying. He's bullying defenders. He's, he's uh, uh, at worst, I think, it, it, watching him in a league goal line running back and at best a three down, you know, catch the ball, uh, really hard to bring down type of runner. Uh, yeah, I mean, after really watching a couple of his games this week, he's up to my RB5 for, for this class. And, you know, I, I think day two is almost locked in at this point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I liked him a lot, actually, in, a, in one of our super nerdy leagues where we had, you know, selected, it's whatever, like 1,200 college players. Uh, I had Javante Williams. I have him in, in one other college to Canton League. Uh, as well. Uh, and, and I'm really excited about it. I think, I mean, I, I think he's been back and forth in, pushing his way into my running back three slot, even just because of what he's done this year uh, and, and just taking over games. Like when you think that the offense is stalling for like a half second for North Carolina, he's like, nope, huge score. I'm going to take over the game. And that's just what he's done. And, and even this past week, like his bad game, his bad game, was 114 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Like that's that's what we've we've gotten accustomed to with Javante Williams. He's just dominated all season long, having 140 yards from scrimmage per game, almost up to 20 catches. Last year he was already leading the entire nation in yards after contact per reception, and he's he's showing to have that contact balance in an elite way yet again, and showing that he is very worthy of of day two NFL draft discussions. 
I, I know some people like to look at it and say, well, Michael Carter's just as good. No, he's not. He's actually much smaller, like 20, 25 pounds less than Javante Williams. And yet he's not actually faster. He's not actually necessarily a superior receiver. And he doesn't have the contact balance that Williams does, perhaps because of his size. But I really like Javante Williams here. Really high on him. Kane, are you very high on Javante? Yeah, I think he's I think he's incredible. I think he's working his way into like bottom of uh, tier two rankings right now for a lot of people. And, and he should be. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Cause I mean, he was a guy that I was high on coming in the season. It's, it, it feels good. Like I, you have some misses every year, but when you get one, you're like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm going to take a shot like my guy. And then it hits. It just is. So it's such a gratifying feeling, but on the flip side, there are some guys who are not living up to the expectations that some people had coming into this year at the running back position. So Shane, I'm actually going to let you kick off on this first one because this this name was in the spotlight because of, you know, he's playing for Ohio State, dream opportunity. We thought he was going to get a lot more work because we thought Master Teague was injured more uh, severely than he was. So why is Trey Sermon a, a falling prospect for you right now? I, I just don't see it. Like, I think when he transferred from Oklahoma to Ohio State, like you said, dream opportunity. Master Teague was injured. And the fact that he's taken a back seat to Master Teague, I think says a lot. Because I think Master Teague has a little bit of talent, but I don't think he's a special running back. I don't think Ohio State has a special running back on the roster. You, you watch Trey Sermon. They're splitting carries, but Sermon's kind of clearly the number two. I don't know if it's it's the injuries. I don't know if it's just how he always has been and Oklahoma kind of hit it. But, I mean, he looks slow. He looks sluggish. He doesn't change direction well. I think his vision is probably the best thing about him, and that's can only get you so far. Yeah. So this was this was a player that looked early in his college career like he could be you know a, a top running back really was waiting for that one breakout season and things just kind of tumbled downhill for him and I think it's only gotten worse I, I just think at best he'll uh, maybe get a late day three draft capital probably undrafted free agent draft capital and he could be one of those players that a team has three injuries at running back and has to play him and he has a good fantasy game or something. But I don't think he's ever going to be a starting NFL running back when that has been the hope, it seems, for years. So he's like the opposite of Kalen Balaj. Like he doesn't really have anything going for him except for vision. And Balaj has like all the raw athleticism, but no vision. And then all of a sudden he's like a league winner this week, apparently. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's semi-interesting though. So that, that could be fun to watch Trey Sermon. Cause I was a fan when he was at Oklahoma, but yeah, it, it's kind of disappointing at this point. Another guy though, that is, is finding himself in a committee now, thanks to the emergence of Traylon Smith for Arkansas. Rakeem Boyd for you, Kane is your faller. Were you really high on him? I actually wasn't super high on him just because he was already an older guy. Uh, it was a weird career track there. So what has you down on Boyd now? I think if we look at what everyone was saying before the season started, right? It's like, this was the year for Rakeem Boyd to fully take over that backfield. And I don't yeah. think anyone would argue with the fact that like, yeah, this was Rakeem Boyd's chance to take over this backfield. And that's why people were high on him, right? Like if he could come out and, and be efficient in the SEC like he was last year, which last year he had a really good season over 1,100 yards and, and really did well against some top SEC teams. This year, we thought that there was going to be some evolution at the quarterback position and just see a little bit more from Rakeem Boyd. And that's just not something that we've seen. I think the traits that we saw last year, um, I don't know where they went. <laughs> 
he lost them somewhere um, and he needs to go around to every building on campus and look in the lost and found bucket, of course, while wearing a mask and trying to find the the talent from last year. Because yeah. I honestly, I don't know what happened. Did he? Like, yeah, last year he was very good. It's like he's just playing hurt. I know he has struggled with injury a little bit this year, but it just he doesn't look like the same player for Arkansas. And really, Traylon Smith has been much more dynamic, especially when Boyd was completely out. Traylon Smith was great for college football DFS purposes as well because he was super cheap. But yeah, it's definitely a disappointing season for Rakeem Boyd. A couple names to note for me as risers. Kevin Harris of South Carolina had like four touchdowns this weekend. And Jerry and Ely in that same game, uh, he had a beautiful just over the shoulder uh, reception uh, touchdown in that same game. That you know, they, I think it, they scored like over 100 combined points in that game. It was just bonkers to watch. But Kevin Harris, I mean, Marshawn Lloyd, the true freshman for South Carolina, was supposed to be the dude. But Kevin Harris, he's not the most athletic running back, but he's interesting to me just because of what he's done this year kind of putting the offense on his back when the quarterback's just frankly been gross and all they have to throw to is Shy Smith. Uh, so Kevin Harris, South Carolina, and Jerry and Ely, Ole Miss. Really like both of those backs. And followers for me are both of the Zacharies, or Zachs, Zachary Evans and Zachary, Zach Charbonnet uh, for Michigan. Uh, Zachary Evans is TCU. I thought he was just going to take that backfield by storm. Uh, and he's battling a whole bunch of guys who will never see an NFL snap and can't really out outperform them at uh, TCU where they need performance on the offensive side of the ball. And Char- I mean, Charbonnet, I mean, he's got like, what, five carries per game so far, splitting with Haskins and, uh, you know, the true freshman Blake Corum. And it, it's just a weird situation. He was supposed to take the next step. And of course, poor went out for Kane's dude, Journey Brown, who uh, had to re- retire due to the uh, medical issue, I guess, rare. Was there a rare heart issue? Is that what it was, Kane? Yeah, I think it has something to do with myocarditis. Okay. That's, um, that's, not, I hate to see it. Look at me. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't understand any of that stuff. <laughs> Dude, Journey Brown was set up to have just such a great season. Yeah. I thought he was going to do so well with the new play calling uh, from Kirk Chirac. I really, that that outside zone offense. And, mm-hmm. and you know, here we are not being able to talk about him right now. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. But really, a lots, lots of players to, to get pumped about at the running position. We could, I mean, running back position could probably be its own show, as well as the wide receiver position, which is even deeper this year in terms of uh, just crazy, crazy breakouts. Speaking of which, uh, who are some of your favorite uh, risers at the wide receiver position. We'll switch back to Kane. You can go first here. Take it with the guy who basically scores a touchdown every time he touches the ball. Yeah, so I don't think there's a wide receiver that's risen more in this NFL draft process than Terrace Marshall. I don't honestly don't think that you could give me any other name and be like, no, Terrace Marshall through the roof, right? And and you can, you can say that, oh, Terrace Marshall, well, he had all the opportunity in the world. Yeah. How does that work out for all your fantasy football teams when you draft guys just because he had all the opportunity in the world, <laughs> right? Like it, it doesn't repeatedly yeah. work out. So, and we can we can lay out that long list of of all the guys that we thought would work out just because the opportunity was there. But you know, Terrace Marshall just through the roof right now. Um, I I honestly think he's going to end up being a first round pick as soon as the draft comes around. He's he's just a guy that that uh, was a wide receiver three on on the LSU team last year, and now I think he'd be a wide receiver one on just about all the teams in college football right now. So he's, he's just playing really well. He has great size, great speed can high point balls when he needs to. He's a good route runner. Just everything you want in a guy 
Like he's fast. He's like if you want something out of a guy, he's got it. So I don't understand why he wouldn't be taken taken in the first round because he's he's also going to give you a high ceiling, and I think he's going to give you a relatively high floor when you draft him. Not yeah. talking about fantasy points, just how he's going to fit in with an NFL team, and I think he has a relatively high floor doing that. I think so too. And really, I mean, he had he had a quiet season last year or whatever and had 13 scores <laughs> i mean the offense overall had 60 touchdowns but the, the guy missed some time he, he injured himself in the vandy game i was there uh you know saw him hobble off the field and he was not himself for maybe three more weeks after that still fought through it stayed on the field and all he did was score touchdowns like you know i think 28 percent of his receptions went for a score last year 22 touchdowns in the past 17 games for him just an incredible prospect. I think a lot of teams are going to like him. His Missouri game this year put on display just about everything that you want to see in a wide receiver with 11 catches, 235 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. So really like some Terrace Marshall. A lot of people want to see them on their favorite team. I'd love to see the Titans select him with their first pick next year, especially if they let Corey Davis walk. But so Shane, I am so glad that you put Kadarius Toney on the show sheet here because I don't know what to do with Tony because he was just this weird kind of chess piece, fun guy that exploded once every five weeks or something. It felt like last year and he missed some time. And, but this year he is an absolute volume monster. I mean, he's had what 40, 48 touches in six games. So he's, he's getting eight touches. Florida is, is shoving the offense his way uh, because they don't have a running game. So they, they give him the short stuff, but then he adds yak and they're even giving him some carries. Like, what What do you do with Tony? And, and do you think he gets day two draft capital or, or even, you know, top 50-ish potential capital? I'm a fan, you know, watching him. He wasn't a player coming into the season that I was like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's going to be an NFL draft prospect, right? Um, <laughs> right. And, and then, yeah, just the way that Florida is using him, like you said, I mean, he came to the school as an athlete designation quarterback in high school, as we see happen a lot. Uh, and then he just became a weapon. He, he catches the ball. He can run the ball. He's a, a punt returner. Uh, he, he has a pass this year. So I think <laughs> he's the kind of player, though, that a lot of NFL teams now want. I mean, they want that guy that can do everything. They want someone that can run jet sweep and uh, catch some screens and uh, put in there for a trick play and, and throw a pass or you know, but but I, I think the volume and just how they've used him has shown that he can be an NFL receiver. I think he's doing more for this offense than a guy like Van Jefferson did last year. So, you know, I, I when, when you see that draft capital, it makes me think, you know, I, I think a team's going to take Kadarius Tony relatively high. I actually had him at pick 33 in my most recent mock draft. I, I think day two draft capital is very possible. I think he's going to go above some guys that, that we view – as uh, you know, surefire possible number one talents, right? Because a lot of NFL teams will do that. They don't necessarily want the the, the X receiver. You know, they, they want to take someone like Kadarius Tony that can come in and play every spot on the field and make a big play. You know, I, I, I there's some there's some rumors about his speed. I, I think he'll be better than he's been time before. I think he'll be in in the four fours, maybe maybe four four eights, four four eight ish. So, you know, I, I think when you combine all these things together and just how he has dominated against some solid SEC defenses, uh, I, I think that draft capital is going to be there. And I think this is just the way the NFL is going. Like everyone wants one of these kind of guys on their team that they can put on the field and make defenses question what they're doing, make them hesitate a little bit and with some misdirection. And so I, I think Darius Tony is going to go um, a lot higher than people think. 
Yeah, I, th- I think so too. As much as I don't really necessarily like him for, you know, maybe top end fantasy football week in, week out, trust trustworthy type play. I think the NFL is just going to like him a lot more than I do. And that's okay. And I think I'm going to have to adjust my rankings when it's all said and done. It's just, I struggle just because he doesn't have the early breakout. He doesn't have anything that the hashtag analytics people, you know, really like to see uh, in a player. So it's just this one final strong peak season for him. And it's great. But I, I wonder... Uh, how, how well that translates to the pros in, in terms of just every down potential. But I think, like you said it, he's just a, a do-it-all type fun playmaker that NFL teams love, especially now. Uh, a couple of risers for me. I've talked about Elijah Moore already. The guy has just been just breaking college football this year. There's been one game where Elijah Moore for Ole Miss has not had double-digit receptions this in this entire season. Like, imagine, like, I mean, most people push to get one double-digit reception game in, in an entire season or maybe an entire career. He's done that every week but once in that one bad game. He had five catches. He had 270 yards from scrimmage on Saturday. Like If he doesn't win the Bletnikoff Award, I don't know what you have to do to win the award for best wide receiver in all of college football. So a huge riser for me. He's in top 50 discussion. He can be a slot. He can be just about anything you want anymore, though. He, he's been primarily slot most of his career, but he can do more than that. Diami Brown, North Carolina, looking legit. Three out of the past four weeks has had over 100 yards. One game with 240. One game with 163. Really rising up my board quite a bit. But uh, just some other wild card names to, to note here. Jordan Addison is like the only productive true freshman and wide receiver in the country for Pitt. A really fun uh, kind of short yardage yak type playmaker, perhaps maybe like a Debo Samuel type at the next level. Ty Freifogel from Indiana had a 200-yard game this weekend. Uh, so that that's interesting. Jahan Dotson has been a monster with ball skills this year. Traylon Burks is the real deal for Arkansas. Uh, so it's, there's so many. Because of the target share available for all these college football offenses and all these guys just taking the next step, this year has been crazy for offense in general in football. But it's so much so much fun to watch. But won't talk about the, the fallers here for wide receivers, actually, because I want to just, before we wrap up, just get maybe a tight end name to know as a riser for you guys before we wrap it up here. So, Kane, who's your riser at the tight end position? Yeah, so it'd be Kylan Granson because I saw that Shane had taken the other one. Because uh, I think th- <laughs> I think there's two right that have that have really kind of not not really risen, but more solidified their draft stock, especially sure. when it comes to tight ends. And I think Kylan Granson is a guy for SMU that that does that. He catches the ball well. He's not the most athletic guy. So if you're thinking like, oh, so am I seeing another Kyle Pitts or Brevin Jordan? No, <laughs> you're seeing like a Kyle Rudolph. Right, right, like a, a guy that he isn't going to put up monster fantasy weeks, but he's going to be there. Right. Like he's, I don't know if you've ever watched new girl, but he's, yes, I have. <laughs> um, he's like Joe Bidening the, uh, the tight end <laughs> class. Right. Cause the joke in new girl is that he's always there. Right. right? Just, just be there. Be there. <laughs> Wherever he goes, be there. You look down the tight end list and Kylan Granson's there. You like see who has like solid production this year at tight end. Kylan Granson's there. You like see like, a random play on Twitter and it's like, oh, this tight end kind of has a little bit of flash. That's Kylan Granson. He's he's not the most exciting name. I'm not saying that he's all of a sudden going to be a top 50, top, maybe even like top 90 pick, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be a solid contributor for a team. And if you're in fantasy teams like we all are, right, yeah. where your, your benches are 45, 50 players deep, 
like Kylan Granson's easily a guy that I want to pick up in the fourth, fifth round of a rookie draft because he's just going to be there and he's going to be in the NFL for a while. Nice. I like it. I actually have him. I, I don't know if I have him in the league that we're in or not, but I have him in a, at least one or two spots just because I really like what he does up the seam. And SMU's vertical offense, it's friendly to any anyone that's kind of playing big slot, but he I mean he does everything. He plays like H back, fullback, tight end, inline, you know, big slot. He he does a lot. So he's he's fun for the modern NFL. But Shane, who's your tight end you're excited about rising up boards? <laughs> I thought I was being nice. I was I was leaving Kylan Granson for Kane. I, that's, that's what you I knew I talk take. about him. Yeah, I love exactly. Kylan I was Grant. like, look, I, I knew that you're gonna take him. Like, uh, well, and you you filled it out first, and you took Braden Galloway. I was like, because I was watching old Clemson tape, and I was like, gosh, he still looks good too. But you know, you took him first, so I'm respecting the show sheet. It's the first time I've ever said that. <laughs> for real, <laughs> uh, yeah. So if 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 you couldn't tell, my my pick was Braden Galloway, tight end for Clemson. You know, go, going into Clemson this year, I think we were fairly uncertain about what these weapons would do. We thought that uh, a, a Frank Ladson or an Amari Rogers would break out, which Rogers kind of has. But I, I think Brayden Galloway has been an intriguing weapon for Trevor Lawrence and, and DJ Ukulele as, as we uh, see <laughs> You know, see him uh, kind of emerge, right? He's had some games where he hasn't done too much, but um, he's been kind of the go-to in big spots. You know, against Miami, um, against Notre Dame, like this is a big tight end that can move around, has some athleticism to him. Yeah, he, you know, he hasn't had a ton of experience or production behind him, but you know, for an athletic. Uh, big tight end that, that had a decent recruiting profile, uh, really intriguing. So I think he's a player that NFL teams could be intrigued by playing it, uh, against uh, it, good ACC defenses, playing for a uh, big-time quarterback in, in Lawrence. I think Brayden Galloway is a player that's going to have some draft capital this year and uh, still has potential to really blow up down the road. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think there's a big three at the tight end position. So whoever this tight end four is, I think is going to get some hype. So if it's Granson, if it's Braden Galloway, I mean, if it's even, uh, you know, Kenny Yeboah from Ole Miss or somebody else that, you know, comes up. I mean, Charlie Kohler has actually kind of, I mean, he's just had an okay year. He's in that conversation. But for me, Kyle Pitts was in that, you know, trio of, of guys that we were all excited about. But he has taken it to another monstrous alien level just I, I didn't even know he could this year, just looking crazy. I think he's going to go super early in everyone's rookie drafts. He's going to be a top six tight end in the NFL right when he joins. He's going to be a top 10 NFL draft pick when it's all said and done. So he's risen for me. But I, I'm also interested in Jalen Weidemeyer for Texas A&M because in a year where they, they were going to need some wide receiver help and receiving targets, Weidemeyer has answered the call and has been their kind of de facto wide receiver one slash two option and he's a huge thick 6'5 260 kind of old school tight end that can block I think a lot of people are going to like him he's 2022 eligible so we'll see what happens there but I appreciate you guys coming on this has been a lot of fun didn't talk about many followers because I really wanted to spend more time talking about the players that we're super excited about rather than the guys that we're not going to be excited about uh, very soon but uh, really thank you guys so much for joining the film angle that you guys bring I, I love I, I've had some numbers nerds on here I've had a few film guys but some numbers nerds on here probably more so than the film take guys so I really appreciate that aspect of what you bring you balance me out I, I ascribe to both film and analytics but I love to hear from both sides of things uh, if you guys want to check out their podcast go check out the Devi marketplace 
Uh, it's a great show, always fun. They always talk about some some food takes as well. So if you if you have some uh, some some fun takes there, uh, Kane to share. Any any parting wisdom as far as food takes before you go, Kane? Well, I think I think the big thing right now is is looking for. This might be controversial. Oh I'll, yeah, I'll set that up now. Um, but we, you know, the next holiday is a big one. It's Thanksgiving. It is. It is. It's important. Um, and I want to let you know that it is okay to have ham instead of turkey on Thanksgiving. Yes, and that it ham is. actually tastes better than turkey. Like oh, if you're, it, oh, Shane's <laughs> about to lose it. Oh, like no. if you're just like, oh, I'm gonna do turkey because that's what I've always done. Try a ham, bro. Like, oh man, ham knocks turkey out of the water every time, every time. Oh man! And next week okay. on College of Canton, we have a fist fight between <laughs> Shane and Kane over which <laughs> Thanksgiving food is most appropriate and is that most delicious. But Shane, any, any other uh, things of wisdom beyond uh, you know Kane being wrong about ham that you want to impart with us? No, no. Um, I, I would appreciate if people would check out the podcast for sure. And uh, I have a feeling that Kane and I, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, will have a knockdown, drag out fight. So if you want to hear the end of that, then uh, subscribe. <laughs> oh, do you want to do you want to do a, a Thanksgiving mock draft for food? Oh, all right, all right. We we, we got right. our show. We're ready. So Deal. all right, well there you go. You got the pitch right there, folks. Debbie Marketplace, Kane and Shane, and, and I, I'm still waiting on your debut album because Kane and Shane just sounds like the perfect band name. But again, thank you guys for joining me and listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been a great time. 21 episodes in. Appreciate all the rate and reviews, all the questions you've had directly to me on Twitter. You can find me at ff underscore Travis M. Where can we find you guys on Twitter if you want to come bother you about uh, NFL draft prospects? Um, if you want to bother me about draft prospects or just talk to me about food or life or whatever, that's what I'm here for. Um, Devi underscore Kane, pretty easy. Awesome. And I'm at Shane P. Hallam. Feel, feel free. I always, always try to reply to everyone. Yeah, and that's H-A-L-L-A-M, correct? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> well, again, thanks for listening, everybody. And can't believe it's already November, almost Thanksgiving. We're on the back half of both college football and NFL. It's kind of a sad day, but but it's awesome because we are one step closer to the NFL draft, seeing another draft class come into play and live their dreams. But if you guys have any questions, please do leave a question in your review of wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll get it on the show. But uh, I look forward to you joining me soon for many more episodes of the College of Canton podcast. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts.